Hey, this is a Hakawati production. Hey everyone, welcome to the men's room. Our guest today is Eli Huri, CEO of MNC Sachi Mina, and he's also the CEO of Quantum Communications, a policy and strategic communications advisory firm. And let's not forget a self-described political activist. Welcome. It's great to have you. Thank you for having me. Let's start with MNC Saatchi, MENA. You oversee the local branch of this uh, advertising uh, agency, uh, which is part of a global uh, group, mm-hmm. which has 27 offices in 23 countries, and it's valued at nearly $385 million. So it's a big, big group. Mm-hmm. Um, so that in itself is uh, an interesting project you're over- overseeing. But you also um, have this quantum group, which is quite interesting. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? Well, uh, the, the group includes uh, the MENA agency of uh, MNC Sachi, as well as a consulting company called Quantum and a content company. The agency, uh, we run the MENA region. We're members of the network and partners with the network. Traditionally, we've won a very large number of uh, awards and we've been known for, if you want to create a certain creative edge, same as the brand globally. Uh, mind you, in the uh, current terms, uh, there are the four mega groups, uh, the ginormous ones, and then there are independent agencies. Few independent networks remain today on the, uh, operating on the global front. Uh, probably uh, ahead of them or chief among them would be MNC Sachi. Okay. Quantum Communications is a uh, uh, is born in Beirut, but it's uh, sort of international. We work not only in Lebanon. We work. Uh, basically across the globe. Uh, What we cater for is, as we call it, transformational communications. This is when, um, in vulgar terms, you want to, uh, if you want change regimes, uh, if you want to a majority keeping its majority or a minority becoming a majority, or if you want to communicate to your own people about advancement in policy and in social conduct such as democracy, you know, most of the third world is still uh, roughly uh, Jurassic about uh, democracy and things of the sort. And a lot of governments are needing to talk to their own people. Uh, also in times of trouble, uh, we help pacify and we help rectify. So we do what uh, is called usually in the in that field, stratcoms. So let me back up a little bit. So MNC Saatchi, the advertising firm, has um, regional clients. Zane is one of them. You mentioned Zane is a is a mobile. Uh, is a mobile? Yes, of yeah. course, it's a mobile uh, carrier. Um, we do a few others, and in Lebanon, we have some of the. We have also Touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're big on uh, mobile usually. Mm-hmm. Um, we have uh, Najar coffee, we have plenty. So for these clients, you basically produce traditional advertising. Uh, advertising. Advertising, in, in the way that people think about advertising. Yeah. So who would be the clients at Quantum? Governments. Governments. Governments or uh, organizations such as U- UN or EU or whatever. So you might say that you're kind of creating ads for for governments. It's not ads. It's a complete uh, what we call 360 solution. It's uh, about, uh, if you want, uh, advocacy. Advertising comes as a byproduct. It's about content. 
Do you approach it in the same way when you're selling a message, when you're selling no, a no, brand? No, no, it's totally different, of course. It's, um, it's your management consultant, but uh, specialized in uh, communications and message. Okay. Can you talk about specific clients that the group has worked with? Uh, yeah, we've worked with some of the top uh, Western governments, such as the U.S., the U.K., uh, some European governments, some of the uh, regional governments, uh, uh, such as uh, Jordan, such as UAE. Uh, so if you do an ad, let's say, for, for Zane, let's say, so that's, that's what you produce for the client, what would you produce specifically for the country of Jordan or for... It's a combination government. of all of the above. Ads For example? Content, yes. ads, and advocacy. advocacy. Shall I explain? Shall I explain yes, please. What one? do you mean by advocacy? Because you're also known as, a, as an, a, an activist. You're a self-described activist. You feel strongly about, you know, probably the, the causes that you're uh, taking on when you're, you, when you're selling this service. Of course. So specifically? It's when you have a case or a cause. Mm-hmm. We For help example? You. If you have a cause, yeah. whatever cause, you, yeah. you could be just about freedom of uh, wood uh, building. I don't know what cause mm-hmm. would trigger you. Yeah. Any cause will help you find the message, the right message, uh, help you find your target audience properly, uh, help you define who your influencers are, who your public um, uh, audience is, uh, general public audience is. And then we uh, help you design and uh, produce and uh, execute targeted and uh, messages and tools that, you know, like social media, like uh, books, like anything that people consume to get information. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Cedar Revolution, which you openly talk about being part of. Yeah. And proudly, also, I might add, which uh, was the Revolution 2005. You look surprised. Not at all. Ah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be talking about it. Um, so... Can you talk a little bit about how you got involved specifically yeah. and what, what, in which ways were you, can you kind of uh, assert that you were part of the movement and in propulsing the movement forward and affecting change? I don't know what you meant by assert, but uh, anyhow, I'll, uh, I'll answer you uh, thoroughly as much as possible. First, this is not a, uh, a client per se. This is my own personal, uh, okay. if you want, wish. Yes. Um, so this was a personal cause. Of course. So why was it a personal cause? Because anything Lebanon is personal to me. Okay, but we're talking about basically the Syrian army being uh, heavily involved in, in Lebanon. Um, let me, let me set the record straight. Yeah. Anything that deals with, um, I don't know how you say it in, um, in English, rejectionists, mumana, any of those, in my opinion, stupidities, uh, I don't subscribe to. I find them uh, unbefitting of the country, and I find them harmful, drastically harmful to the country. Any authoritarian regime, be it secular or religious or whatever, uh, to me is a danger to the country and uh, has no objective but to suck the country dry of its uh, value, if you wish, be it uh, monetary or be it uh, uh, cultural or be it... uh, Uh, philosophic, if you want. So you wanted the Syrians out of the country? I want anybody who well, steps into the Well, we're talking about now country. about that specific event. At so. that moment, uh, the Syrians were the heavier weight. Yeah. And uh, anything that will um, make sure that they leave was something to be done. So what were some of the things that you did personally, you think, that uh, well, kind of got uh, things moving? 
Well, uh, the initial thought of how to do it and what to do and when to do it, uh, there was a small group of people that were, you know, debating this. I was luckily and uh, uh, happily part of that group. Uh, some of them um, were assassinated. Some of them died now, such as uh, Samir Frangie, assassinated such as Samir Asir. Uh, Samir and I used to um, work together. He used to freelance with us. Okay. And uh, In what capacity? As a senior writer. Okay. And he, I, I managed to convince him because I didn't know him before, because he, he looked down on our uh, industry until he discovered it and found it interesting. Of course, after we're done with commercial work, uh, we would sit and talk about the situation and about what to be done and then get joined by others concerned parties. And uh, the things uh, uh, elaborated, we were avid readers of international geopolitics and regional uh, momentum, if you want. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was evident at that moment that there is a chance for Lebanon to uh, at least get rid of the Syrians. What, what was the spark? Well, the, the real spark of events was the killing of uh, Rafi Hariri, of course. Mm -hmm. However, before that, the, the, the situation was sort of, if you want, indicating uh, the ripeness of such possibility. And uh, uh, in my opinion, the, the assassination of Hariri was, um, if you want, the maximum trigger you could uh, think of. To actually so, make it happen. Before we move forward, because I, I really want to get into like what the specific things you did kind of to get involved in, in, in the political game at that point. But do you have, I mean, that that assassination was never solved. Do you have any thoughts on who killed Rafiq Hariri? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a, not a tricky question, uh, yet it's somehow a tricky question. I will just go by what the uh, International Tribunal is saying. And I believe that. Which is? So far, it's pointing out at two, Syrians and Hezbollah. Mm -hmm. Why is it taking so long to solve that? Uh, usually, uh, legal takes long, even mm. on personal level. Have, mm. you, have you ever done a, no. a case? No. It, they do take time. Yeah, especially here in this region. Uh, even anywhere. Yeah, even maybe. Even anywhere. Complicated and imagine, cases. Imagine also something of that magnitude. Of course. Whether it's politicized or not, I'm no um, expert on the on that. Nor do I think I don't think it's an an impossibility, but I I also don't think it's a given. Mm -hmm. So okay, let's move on. What what were some of the things that you were doing? You had you said you had a team of writers. Um, well, before you, you do, you gotta think. Yeah, you gotta know what you want. Yes. So. Thinking and knowing what you want and analyzing the circumstances. But you wanted of, you wanted Syria out. Was it more? Yeah, was but, more uh, to that. No, you wanted. Of course, the absolute term is the absolute want is not Syrians out. Mm -hmm. The absolute want is a Lebanon that we haven't achieved yet. Right. So uh, thinking that on the way to achieving that Lebanon, you have to get rid of certain elements, including the Syrians. Mm -hmm. You have to write policy papers. You have to think of messages, of slogans. You have to think of who to talk to, who to address. To um, So who are, who are you reaching out to? Who are you addressing? Are you... Anybody who is an influence on the global stage or mm -hmm. locally. Anyone specific that you can... Starting to? from presidents down to ministers. Mm -hmm. you, know, you like dropping names, don't you? Well, 
I just like to be specific. Um, uh, what? <laughs> uh, presidents of the West. Yeah. Who was the president in 2004? Presidents of the West. You make yeah. your own research. Yeah. And I should ministers. know that off the top of my head. Exactly. That was, uh, it was uh, George Bush. Uh, example. Yeah. And uh, think tankers, journalists, uh, whomever is, could be of use. And then also design and, um, if you want, not manufacture, think up and, and produce, if you want, the messages that the public uh, needs to hear. So are we talking like social media? Are you no, there was about no social media. At right, that time. there was no social media. We barely so. could uh, send an SMS at that time. Were you doing uh, media appearances? Posters, Posters. banners. Uh, obviously, you're not in the country. Uh, no, I wasn't actually. Exactly. I was in Texas. Uh, so But the, I remember following the, the yeah the whole the whole. TV. I mean, the, the even the title of the Seed Revolution, which is Independence of Five. The uh, the activities, the public activities, the civil society activities that happened down there, we were supporting, mm -hmm. uh, guiding, uh, you know, and mediating among various parties. Okay. So who this come. was more of a personal project. Yes. Were you also involved in the um, the selling, quote unquote, of the Iraqi constitution in 2005 uh, not, after the war? Uh, yeah, not selling, actually. Uh, telling people what is a um, uh, how how what to do with the constitution because uh, they had a constitution drafted by a single uh, autocrat now they get to design a constitution that suits their uh, mm -hmm. uh, objectives in life so yes we were part of that we and we say we is it quantum group or yes, is that you quantum quantum were you hired to do that of course of course who hired you by the uh, authorities in iraq then who were the authorities were they iraqi or were they american iraqi and american mm. iraqi and allied not mm -hmm. only american there was about 30 countries there all of them were our clients yes sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. i'm not kidding of course Yeah. So did you actually travel there and uh, Yeah, yeah. I was there like a couple of weeks after the tanks rolled mm -hmm. in. And what did you what did you do like Well, we used communications, we used advertising, we used posters, we used films, we used, you know, uh, stuff that people use to get people on board basically. To tell them what's the benefit of drafting a constitution and later on the benefit of actually voting. Mhm. Mm and how to do it and all of that. Of course, we mm -hmm. worked with the UN as well on that. The UN had a big task to Uh, uh, actually teach people how to do that because mm -hmm. people had no idea. Mm -hmm. So yeah, you work with NGOs, you work with uh, government agencies, you work with international agencies. It's uh, super interesting. It is, yes. Because on the one hand, you know, you'd expect uh, when, when you have a revolution, you think that it's the people who are driving it. But when people don't know how to behave Uh, or don't know how to drive change, I guess it's helpful to have kind of, I mean, you need some kind of uh, guiding uh, force or well, is that uh, how you look at it? I don't think, in Lebanon, you didn't need any help. Mm -hmm. In Lebanon, people knew what to do. In fact, one thing about whatever happened in Lebanon in 2005, mm -hmm. there were barely any international involvement mm -hmm. except media focus, which was good. Uh, in Iraq, no, people wanted the change, but it has to be grassroots for it to be meaningful and mm -hmm. to be truthful. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, but it's a loose term. I mean, it's grassroots, but then if you're involved, how is that grass? For example, in Iraq, if you're coming in and telling the people it's important to vote, 
You're kind no, of... uh, in that case, I was not an activist. Mm-hmm. I was a communication uh, professional. That's mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication indicated that, of course, we know a lot about democratic processes. We know because of our experience. But as a communicator, you companies and agencies and governments come to you and say, okay, how do I communicate this? Right. Uh, I'll give you a very interesting thing we do as well for governments. Mm-hmm. Say the economy is down yeah. and you need a mood booster. That's what we call them yeah. for the population to, um, if you want, uh, rev- revitalize the economy. Yes. We've done a lot of that. Where, in which countries? Such as Jordan. Okay. Yeah. And how did you do that? Through campaigns. Again, like uh, media campaigns? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what else do you do? So what do you tell people to make them? It depends. I mean, each case has its own. Well, what did you do in Jordan? uh, Well, we needed to remind people that, uh, like everywhere else, actually, not uh, not specifically to Jordan, but in Jordan, we needed to remind people that no matter what's happening around, Jordan Mm -hmm. comes first. Yeah. Uh, Second, it's... uh, no matter what the economy is about or what the conditions are about, at the end of the day, the human individual is the hero. Mm-hmm. You make your own destiny. So roll up your sleeves, get there, and, you know. So who it. hired you? It was the, the, the government? The government? Yeah. Governments, you would know, you, are Would like, you not think of this in, in certain ways as a kind of propaganda? <laughs> uh, we don't do propaganda. Propaganda is done by autocrats. Because uh, for a very simple reason, they have an alternative reality, mainly not a reality, that they want to bombard your brain with it until you start thinking it's a reality. Well, I would say in this case, in Jordan, if they're hiring you to uh, send this message that, you know, the individual is the hero, which is true, you're giving them confidence. On the other hand, some people feel like the government should be supporting the people and taking care of their own people to, you know, to a greater extent than maybe they're already doing. In what century and country that should be? Well, you know, I'm originally Canadian, so uh, I'm coming yeah. from a little bit of more of a socialist uh, perspective. Lucky for you, but that's not the world. Well, uh, it's parts of the world. There are exactly. a lot of countries it's that a, function this way. I, I agree with you. I'm um, I'm liberal in that in that way, and I believe that. A proper capitalism, if you want, mm-hmm. is the one that takes care of the weak mm-hmm. and promotes the strong. Right. I mean, the other ways do not apply, in my opinion. But no, let me correct what we do. We do communi- we communicate. We tell a universally accepted truth for you to remember and act upon. Okay. Well, I'll actually, give you a local example, for yes, instance. Please. If you, uh, I don't know if you were here when there was a uh, uh, 2006 war. Yes, I was here, actually. Okay. I had so to after run away war, from the bombing. Yeah. After the war, uh, the uh, Hezbollah's uh, uh, slogan or message mm-hmm. was, uh, we won. Well, my logic was telling me one what? Lost so many billions of dollars and people were, you know, put out of their homes and, 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 and. So didn't consider it winning. So with other people, we figured out, okay, what's a message that we want to come out with? And it was... I love life. I love life is not propaganda. It's just a universal truth that you put out there. Those who subscribe to it will cheer it and support it and see the point. So you felt that was countering what they were saying? Exactly. That was propaganda. But, I mean, all the the death and the killing was not done by Hezbollah. Yeah, but that's not winning. Yeah, but... I'm not not discussing whether they were right or wrong. Mm -hmm. I was discussing the fact that you're saying you won. The whole country lost. You probably won, 
but the whole country lost. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah. So that was what you would consider your own activism, I guess. Yes. But that's propaganda. No, I was actually giving you an example of propaganda versus communication. So Hezbollah is definitely a, a point of contention Hezbollah and in this any, country. And any other uh, authoritarian. But let's talk about Hezbollah. Do you consider them a terrorist organization? Terrorist per se, no, but they definitely have a bad weight on the country. Hmm. Especially that they report, according to them, I'm not coming up with that statement, they report back to a certain country called uh, Iran. Iran is an authoritarian religious country that does not appeal whatsoever to a person like me. What is it doing in Lebanon? I don't know, and I frankly don't care. But most countries have allies. and That's not ally, that's puppeteering. Well, yeah, puppeteering. Well, that happens a lot countries in the Middle that East. Ha- that you might argue the U.S. has a lot of puppets as well. I mean, they're supporting They don't have a militia. Well. Yeah. Tell me. How can you compare... Um, you know, how can Unless you say you that? Consider the army as I mean, if they're, fu- of course, if you're funding an army, what's the difference between funding, you know, an army in Israel or whatever country? Yeah. How is that different than than another country funding, you know, what funding. you call a militia, but in fact they're part of the of the Lebanese government? So how yeah. how are they really a militia? It's a kind of be, they're a militia because That's there's so opinion. much. Are, uh, That's your opinion. Well, I'm not actually saying my. I'm being a devil's advocate here because I've heard those arguments here. It's yeah, a, but pe- they this don't is what stand. people argue about all the time. Uh, you know what a non-actor means? Non-state actor means. But but are they really a non-state actor when they're yeah. part of the government? They they're part of the government, but in the constitution, nothing says that you could form a militia hmm. for whatever reason. Does it say you cannot form a militia? Yeah. Specifically, it says uh, legitimate arms are uh, uh, remain in the hands of the government mm-hmm. through its security forces, mm. namely army, um, police, and you know yeah. the usual. So that's that's your issue. That's your main issue with the the whole... My issue with any, if you want, foreign intervention, and not only foreign per se as foreign from outside the borders. No, I'm talking about foreign concepts here. Mm -hmm. I don't believe, at least personally, that this country uh, needs another uh, religious uh, intervention or authoritarian uh, situation. I don't think also, I don't at all appreciate the fact that that party is called Hezbollah. What does it make me, a Hezb shaitan There is an inconsistency, or if you want, unfairness in the way things are put, uh, being put at the table. I believe my country first, economically and logically, most of my diaspora or workforce work in the West and in the Gulf. Maybe there are, what, a couple of thousand Lebanese eastward from uh, Syria all the way to China, maybe. There are about a couple of thousand Lebanese working there and uh, sending a few hundred bucks or I don't know how much to the country. Mm-hmm. But there are millions of people working everywhere else. So Lebanon is technically part of the capitalist, horrible, imperialist West in terms of economy, in terms of where people live, in terms of where people prosper. It makes no sense at all for me to stand on the other side where I could barely see a couple of thousand Lebanese just because a faction of the Lebanese and not a majority, albeit, uh, decided that they love that uh, model or those who loved the Ba'ath model model before Mm -hmm. or before them, those who loved the PLO model. 
or before them those who uh, loved the the Nasser models. Okay. Any of these models don't mean anything to me. Sure. Um, you you talked a little bit about you've talked a little bit about uh, producing films. Yes. So tell me a little bit about the films you've produced and what they were. Well, uh, as for. a content company, we came out. Unfortunately, we have not produced more since uh, because of the economic uh, conditions. Um, the first thing I wanted to do was produce my favorite artist ever in the country, which is Ziad Rahbani. Uh, some of his plays I grew up with without knowing him, of course, listening to that cassette. Although politically I'm on the exact opposite of where he stands, but we we, we have an understanding on that. We laugh at each other uh, uh, for that. And I made it a task to uh, bring it to the new generation and those who still want to see it, which I think it plays a big benefit in uh, uh, in the, the country's culture and thinking. Okay. I also thought, okay, who is the other opposite, if you want, but at least provided a frame of Lebanism, if you want. Mm-hmm. I thought of Bashir Ismail, the darling of uh, uh, a huge number of people in this country. I thought, why not bring the story out in the most, uh, if you want, professional way possible. Mm-hmm. So... These took like three years of work, and um, they were successful. Which, when was this? Which year? Uh, I'm very bad with these. Uh, okay. Somewhere like about three, four years ago. Okay. <laughs> did Did you mention also the insult? No, the insult we wanted to be part of. Okay. The script was definitely a winner, but uh, it's a it's a technical thing. You know, I don't know if you know there is uh, something called three three one bank four one six banking decree mm-hmm. that allows you to uh, borrow money, uh, f- especially for stuff like that. Yeah. The price asking was bigger than what we wanted, and uh, the. So you weren't part of that film. No, we were. If but you want, would part you say the, that that that's a, a politically motivated film? Oh, I loved the message in it. If I had even all the money, I would have gotten into it. So it's a, a Christian guy who. No, it's not about the Christian guy per se. It's about. Well, what the character's happened. Christian. He gets into an argument with a Palestinian he's worker. He's Lebanese. Lebanese Christian. Uh, he happens to be Christian. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah. Well, that's the movie. Yeah. <laughs> and the other guy is Palestinian. They get into an argument. Happen- Why didn't you say a Muslim Palestinian? Well, because uh, <laughs> most Palestinian. Well, that's right. That's right. There are Christian Palestinians as well. Yeah. So, so a Muslim a, Palestinian. A Lebanese who happens to be Christian. Uh, yes. Had a problem with a Palestinian, Palestinian who happens, happens to, to be, be Muslim. Muslim. Yes. Okay. Um, they got into an argument, and uh, I, I guess the uh, the main character makes a statement that he wishes. That's that, not what uh, the movie is about. Well, I didn't see the movie, but oh, okay. I read I read the, the story. No, the movie what the is about. about uh, well, this was Sparks. He he says basically, I wish that the Palestinians had been, uh, you know, er- eradicated <clears throat> from yeah. the face of the earth, which angers the other character, and they end up in this argument, and they go to court. And that's basically, uh, it unravels from there. So what's the message that you like in that film? Well, uh, they both understood each other finally. That's what I like about the message. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. That's really nice. (laughs) So, um, but... Yeah, I don't have horns, by the way, nor a tail. Okay. (laughs) I didn't didn't say that. (laughs) Um, Um, You sound like it. (laughs) No. Um, What did you think of uh, Nadine Labaki's uh, film, Kafranam? Well, I'm a big fan of Nadine, especially, especially the first one. Caramel. Caramel. I actually lived in similar conditions of Caramel, not as a girl. How so? 
Uh, yes, the movie was about like lesbians and a no, woman who's no, no, uh, not was, lesbians, but the one character was a lesbian. No, one. The, the character happens. Yeah. No, about the environment of living in a, a, a lower middle class, yeah. okay. lower middle class during war. The whole uh, broken families, the whole relationship. I sort of. Uh, you know, it was very authentic. You related authentic. to it, yes. Yeah, it was very authentic. So I, you liked that film? I adored it. Okay. And uh, the last one, in my opinion, and she might want to excuse me if she ever hears me, it's a bit of an opportunistic situation. Kafrinam. Yes. Have you seen it? No, but I read enough. Yeah, you know what the story is about. It's about child slavery, poverty, basically yes. touches on a lot of uh, yes. kind of touchy, hot topics, yes. which you might argue are, you know, Caramel was about some hot topics at the time. I mean, one yeah. of the characters is not a virgin and she's afraid her husband to be is gonna, you know, uh, be upset. You know, back then, which was, I think, uh, when was this film? 2007? Yeah, 2007. You know, things have changed a lot, even 10 years or 12 years in Lebanon. Back then, I think, like, uh, uh, homosexuality and virginity, like, no one was really talking about those things. I feel like it's changed a lot. So, but what's the difference between exploiting those kind of sexy topics and, and talking about a real social issue? Why does it bother you that she... No, it's not bothering is, me. I that. thought the angle and the, um, uh, the, by which the uh, story is portrayed uh, does not provide the viewer with enough visual to understand the context. How so? It's focused on misery and mm-hmm. uh, uh, miserable people. Fine. Let's But isn't that how you affect people? I mean, actually, that bring, that reminds me of uh, uh, MNC Sachi's kind of whole motto is brutal simplicity, right? They mm-hmm. even made like a little video on YouTube and mm-hmm. uh, kind of d- that defines kind of their strategy and approach when it comes to advertising. Yeah. So first of all, so what does that mean exactly? That's brutal. Adverti- brutal simplicity is don't think too much about complex ideas, mm-hmm. simple ideas mm-hmm. and simple messages yeah. actually crack uh, uh, better than others. Yeah. So when you're whether you're selling a product or trying to uh, influence no. thinking no. or, or making is, a movie, content is shouldn't different. it be the same? Content is approach? different. No, storytelling is different than advertising. Mm. Advertising is newsy, is spontaneous. You need to get a message because you're paying very too much money for it to get the message across and be successful in a short period of time. Uh, storytelling is you give me context, you give me uh, 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 characters, and then you give me a moral of a story. I think, or at least I believe, I might be wrong, but at least that's my own uh, belief, that it was uh, geared towards a certain audience that likes to see these miseries and want to go, oh. Come on, nobody wants to see misery. Yeah, of course. Oh, come on. Uh, because <laughs> when you don't. You know, misery is uh, a sort of uh, is, uh, exotic to those who don't experience it. Those who experience it know what it is about. And uh, if you want, may resent commercializing it. Is that what you, you think? Because I would think um, that people... I might be, no, I'm, yeah. I'm, I don't want to be over... Mm-hmm. No, sure. it's not like I, uh, I, I want to destroy the thing. No, mm-hmm. but I just didn't feel the urge to go and see it. As simple as that. Mm. Because, of the con- because of the story, because of the fact that it was focusing on, on the misery basically, that exists in this country that nobody really talks about. And, you know, you have people who are extremely wealthy driving down the street. Do you think I'm a heartless... Uh, no, I, I didn't say no, that at not all. At all. Just, not at all. I just uh, saw the commercial value of the story before mm. I saw the value of the story. Mm. Well, it was a very impactful story. 
I'm happy for everybody who done it and mm. watched it. That's uh, I'm not against that. Mm-hmm. I'm saying personally, I did not feel the urge. If you ask me, did you watch it? I'm not gonna lie and say yes. But isn't isn't part of like if if that's a problem, isn't part of solving the problem kind of uh, raising awareness ab- about it and kind of the same thing as what you do when you're you know communicating I, things? Th- th- probably that's absolutely right. I'm not I'm watching entertainment here, mm-hmm. so I have the freedom to decide on what kind of like I don't watch horror films. Okay, uh, they don't mean anything. Sometimes I laugh. Right. I barely watch dramas because cries don't mean much to me. What kind of movies do you like? I like uh, fantasy movies. I like uh, science fiction movies. I like thrillers. I like comedy. I adore romance. I adore. Like what's one of your favorite movies? Wow, that's a tough question. It depends on which category because many favorites. Uh, if you want a musical, all that jazz. If you want... Uh, Uh, political reds, if you want uh, uh, graphic novels, uh, The Avengers, if you want, uh, no, that uh, Deadpool uh, might uh, might compete on that. Uh, nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want comedy, I adore, of course, the oldies such as uh, Pink Panther, Dr. Strangelove. Yeah, and... actually, you started out as an editorial cartoonist, right? Yes. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I started very early, basically, at the age of uh, 16, roughly. So I used to doodle in the, um, uh, at home, and uh, my uh, whole dream in life was to become a cartoonist. And it just so happens that where I lived with my mother uh, was nearby one of my favorite, or probably the local favorite cartoonist of mine, which was Stavro Jabra, uh, uh, died uh, not long ago. I realized he was a neighbor, And at that time, we had really free press in the country, like uh, at Dabur at that time, he used to, he was uh, uh, the chief uh, uh, cartoonist there, was as, if you want, open it. Chief cartoonist where? At Dabur. Uh, Dabur, so that's a newspaper? Uh, yeah, it was, uh, uh, if you want, uh, similar to Canard Enchaîné, for instance. I have no idea what that uh, is. Uh, <laughs> Canard Enchaîné, okay. Uh, yeah, it's a... Uh, And I'll, actually, you know, a lot uh, of people are listening from around the region. They're not so uh, yeah, familiar it's a, with it's Lebanese a French, history. Uh, it's a French-style uh, uh, humor whereby anything goes. Okay. It's very open, very vulgar even, very everything, but it's witty as well. Mm. Uh, so we had that degree, if you want, of freedom of press in the country. And uh, I loved his style. So and he was international to a, to a large degree. So I knocked on his door. I said, I wanted to train under you. Uh, I will clean the table, uh, whatever. And he said yes. And I became sort of his sidekick for a long period of time. And then I started publishing my own cartoons. Uh, where where were you publishing them? In Lebanon, in uh, Dabur. And then when the war broke out, there were a lot of underground newspapers that I uh, published in probably most of them. And then I had to actually get out of the country because of my cartoons. Oh, really? Uh-huh. What did you draw? What did well, you say? At that time, the Syrian army had moved in and we were not allowed to criticize it. So I slipped my cartoon because I was also doing the layout of the magazine at the end of the at the end of the night. I slipped up my cartoon that criticizes the uh, uh, the army. Can you describe the cartoon? It's not politically correct. Exactly. Uh, shall I say yes, it? Yes, please. Uh, you might be banned in some countries. That's okay. So I pictured the army personnel um, suckling on two tits. One uh, is uh, the communist Russia. The other is a bag of dollars. Okay. American dollars. Yeah. 
and call them wet rada. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know what that means. Um, suckling. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and uh, my name, of course, is like John Smith in this country. Yeah, there's a lot of Eli Khouris, right? Exactly. You could have just said, no, it's not me. Of, it must have that's been how guy. I got away, by the ah, way. Ah, <laughs> okay. Awesome. That's amazing. And, yeah, the Mukhabarat um, or the secret service of that army also uh, went after me, looking for me. Where, where did you go? Uh, I didn't go anywhere. I oh, traveled. Were... I went okay. to L.A. Yeah, okay. So you were in L.A. And I lived in L.A. for 10 years. Okay. Yeah. Um, so you, do you think that films are used as a political tool? They can be. Okay. Well, culture is manageable, at least I believe so, and is manageable just like economy or anything else. I mean, some people say, or, or I mean, I, I probably need to Google that a little bit more, but that the film industry um, is heavily influenced by, you know, the... Uh, Jewish. No, not by the Jewish. That's by not what I was going to say. Don't put words in my mouth. I'm, I'm by, not... by governments, like in, in the United States, for example, the film studios... Um, you know, who owns them and stuff. Well, think, of course. There do you is, think they're used as a... Not used. There is an influence, mm-hmm. of course. Uh, there are people uh, who happen to... You know, there is a good uh, portion of Jews in that industry. So, yes, um, f- uh, the natural outcome is going to be, be an industry that is rarely not uh, friendly to the Jews, for instance. But there are so many Anglo-Saxons and Wasps there as well. Same thing. Now there are many uh, uh, African-Americans there, so uh, they get their share. It depends on who's playing the game to decide what goes on. Now for it to be manipulated so much by governments, this is a third world, especially Middle Eastern concept that keeps forgetting that the West never has a single opinion. Single opinion happens only in authoritarian areas. Uh, the West, there are as many people with you as many people against you, against your concept or whatever your your politics are. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, oh, you might say it's a war of ideas. It's a constant exactly. struggle. Look, look at how many people, I mean, uh, how many people are against Trump. So whatever Trump is pro, uh, the others are against and vice versa. And before with Bush and with Obama and, 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 and. So there isn't a conspiracy. And if you know those who design policies real well, my God, conspiracies are too hard to execute. Ground realities uh, change anything, everything. Example, 2005 in Lebanon, uh, the big powers didn't ask Syria to leave Lebanon. They wanted them withdrawing back to the Bekaa. The people here and the pressure that the people created, followed by the media, is what got, uh, what got the thing done. Mm-hmm. So no, I do not subscribe at all to the conspiracy theories. You could always conspire and you could always succeed partially somewhere, but you can't like, you know, hegemonize uh, uh, industries. So and Quantum countries. Group has an office in Washington, D.C., right? Mm-hmm. What, what do they do there? Well, we work with the government or uh, uh, institutes when they want us to. Mm-hmm. So what are some of the projects? Like the ones, worked, the, the yeah. ones uh, just explained to you. Yeah. You're not very specific. Uh, counter-terror, we did a lot of that. We're actually among the best uh, companies that do that. Counter-terror? Yeah. Uh, How? How do you do that? Through messaging, through communications. Do you use a lot of social media? Yeah. Do you Nowadays, like, um, of course, you can't. 
But is it is it like the kind of strategy that we've seen like from the Russians, for example, where you create kind of uh, communities online? No, no, that the, get people. That's the the uh, if you want the old Soviet uh, uh, model of propaganda. Well, it seems to have worked pretty effectively in the case of you know the the last U.S. elections. So, well, if you want to call it like old, oh no, come on! Soviet. Don't tell me! Don't tell me it's uh, the Soviets. Who, I mean, the Russians made. Well, I mean, uh, there's obvious. There's a, there's a lot of evidence coming out that they were that they were manipulating they were some stuff. Meddling. And who knows if they hadn't meddled, if the results would have been the meddling. same. The fact is, we don't know. Meddling is one thing; succeeding yeah. is another. Well, they meddled, and yeah. what they wanted succeeded. Why do you think they wanted? Well, I mean, they have a lot of, you know, President Trump has a lot of investments in Russia. There's a lot of ties between his companies and the Russian companies. Yeah. Well, you know, that, okay. that's, a, that's a good reason to want, you know, if your friend uh, owns a lot you of property honestly, in your country, you it's kind of believe, a bonus if he's the president of a country. Do you honestly believe uh, that uh, such a huge country like the U.S., uh, even when compared to Russia, Russia is maybe 10%? even 20% economically and even population wise is what 25% of the US and technologically maybe not as advanced as the US do you think anybody could do that much uh, uh, damage in absolutely it? it's not what I think I mean it's a fact Uh, fact. It's That's a fact. A They've admitted word. to to you're, meddling. You're starting, you're starting to become like. Uh, no, I mean you like can Trump. read it anywhere. I mean, they're, they're, it's not complicated. It doesn't take a lot of technology but to meddling, kind of uh, organize uh, Facebook groups, you know. But meddling does not re- and fake does accounts. Not, meddling does not necessarily reap results. You can, yeah, a lot of people meddled. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Maybe yeah. the French. So that means they were really good at it. The French meddled as well, maybe. Who knows? The and, Brits and, you know, meddled. Yeah. I wish I could be able to meddle. Why not? Everybody yeah. should meddle in other But isn't that affairs. what you do with quantum in certain ways? I mean, are uh, you involved in social media? And uh, like of when, course, you, when you have an agenda, how do you, I mean, you must be getting involved in. Well, social media is also a, a tool that we use. Yeah, of course, like everybody else. Mm. Uh, listen, the tools are just tools. It's the content you put on there. The objective of the content. Of course. I'm not saying that I'm a saint or the people I sort of support are saints. No, we all have agendas. We all, we all have interests. But there is a big difference between reaching your, uh, your interest and agenda through violence, through killing people, for instance, or through convincing, even if it becomes a bit more of an overbearing convincing because you have more tools. That's at least peaceful. That is, at least does not crush your will. Uh, forcefully. Mm -hmm. Besides, I do not believe at all that people consume content that they don't want to consume. You could never stick an idea in somebody's mind. That's well. That's of, that's where all the, the you know the advertising skills come in. I mean, yeah, whoever I, and, creates and the message listen, is creating the the demand for it and the listen, appetite for it. I'm an ad man, and I tell you, in front of my clients, in front of anybody who is in that industry, and I've been and I've been there since Madman days that you cannot put an idea in somebody's mind if that person doesn't want that idea. People only pick up what they want, and social media has been a proof of that. You might want to dialogue, convince, maybe you succeed convincing, but you can't stick. Like, you know, the remember the old story of subliminal messaging? What a stupidity. <laughs> what a bloody stupidity. Come on. 
Do you think like flickering images would gonna gonna like manipulate people's brains? Are you kidding? Your mother hasn't been able to change you a bit since day <laughs> one. You want some flickering image to change your opinion? No, okay. come on. We have to be realistic. There is no magic in it. There's no magic in economy. There is no magic in communication. There is no magic anywhere. It's all science and it's all what people want. Of course, uh, that's one thing. And forcing people into doing something or believing or saying something they don't want to say or they don't want to do. Now, that's uh, bad. That's to me in my book. That's unacceptable. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about social media. Yes. Then. I'm assuming in any advertising campaign or any course, um, communication campaign. It's you know, like it's, salt and pepper. Now yeah. it's kind of the tool. Um, it used to be that you could just produce, you know, a 30-second uh, TV ad back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. And that was it. That was like, you made a great ad. It's amazing. Now, like, that's probably number 10 on your campaign strategy. No, right? not us. Uh, many, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, even clients think that way, uh, which is wrong. Why no. is it wrong? Well, social media is just a reverberation of physical, uh, uh, I mean, society. Social media is social, physical. It's like saying a billboard on the street is enough to create uh, an image or a perception. It isn't. It's a part of the conversation. It's a little blah, blah, blah in the, on the street. Social media is blah, blah, blah on, uh, on mobile. Media, professional media, are what people consume to either get news or information or entertainment. When these, you're talking through these, that's a real conversation. When you say media, you mean traditional media, television and yes, radio? even if it's not traditional, like most traditional media is now digital. Right, so uh, no one's really watching TV. It's all on demand, right? No, today the definition is not whether it's traditional or social. It's professional or social, meaning amateur or professional. Mm-hmm. Professional New York Times is both print and web. Right. Any TV station now is both broadcast and and uh, digital. That's right. So there's there's no differentiator. Okay. Of course, it's more expensive to reach people at home w- without their uh, consent. That's free to home TV. I.e., you're watching the news. I cut the news. I put my ad there. Yes. Yeah. It costs a lot of money. But now people can fast forward through, you know, when you're talking about digital. Absolutely. Until, well, you have to also remember we have an old generation that still needs habits and technology. Not everybody has Apple TV, so on and so forth. So there is a mush, a mush of uh, traditional and digital media. Let's call it professional media, i.e. people that sure. go to work in the morning to do that media. Mm-hmm. And there is social media that anybody gets to do. Yeah, like kind of the popular, you know. That's blah, blah, blah. Does, sure. It doesn't build uh, mm-hmm. uh, images and perceptions. So what, so what are your thoughts, for example, on, uh, you know, handing a cup of uh, Najar coffee, that's one of your clients, right, yeah. to, a, you know, a, an influencer? Some, some, uh, one that of these That comes down. That, that comes down down the ladder, way down the ladder on uh, um, on priorities. Yeah. The priority. Are is, you using that tactic? Uh, I'm not sure. Not I sure. doubt. I don't think. Mm-hmm. But maybe. Mm-hmm. No. The primary objective is to create a lovely story, thirty seconds, uh, that you see it both on digital and non-digital uh, 
It's the content that matters, okay. really. So I, uh, there was just an article in Adweek also that suggests that targeting millennials might not be such a hot idea after all. That's what all the advertisers have been doing. You know, they kind of all, there's like a massive rush to like catering to millennials. But there's growing evidence that Generation Y consumers just don't have a lot of money to spend. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of counterproductive. In fact, according to a study by its Deloitte Center for Consumer Insight, uh, they surveyed over, it's, this is in America, of course, mm-hmm. 4,000, but I'm sure it, it can compares to here, 4,000 American consumers to determine their current consuming habits. They found that since 1996, the average net worth of consumers under 35 has dropped by 35%. Mm-hmm. So they not only don't have money, but they have less money than they used to. So despite this, advertisers have been putting more effort and money into that, that group, targeting that group. Um, but now they're realizing that people behave more like their income than their age. So targeting that age group is kind of not seem to be very effective. Do you have any thoughts on this? Of course. I mean, I've, I've read a lot, but I'm not quoting now. I'm theorizing based on all my reading and my own thoughts. Uh, millennials Z and all of the other letters have a different way of looking at each uh, at things. Uh, my age or maybe yours or, or the previous generation, uh, we were brought up not only by media, but by our parents, because maybe they had a lack of that materialistic things mattered. So if you had an expensive watch, an expensive car, a big house, it uh, presented your uh, status in society. Uh, A lot of indicators now uh, are saying that uh, the the, the generations we're dealing with now, they have other ways of uh, uh, telling you what their social status is. It's what kind of content they consume, the experiences they've been through, the travels they've done, and uh, uh, a different look at uh, material uh, uh, gain, including financial. Remember, we're living in an age where cryptocurrency and today Facebook currency, Libra, Uh, might be launched. So all the notions that you and I have grown about uh, in the old days, it was gold, then it was cash, then it was I don't know what, stock and whatever, all these are going to change. And these millennials and young people are reading this much more than you and I. So they anticipate a different... So when you guys, uh, well, I know you're not involved in the day-to-day affairs at, uh, at your, you know, as the CEO of MNC Saatchi, but Do you feel like you've been targeting millennials in the last few years? Well, at the end of the day, we are a a B2B company, i.e. we work for certain clients. Mm -hmm. We have our opinion. We can can stress our opinion and convince uh, of our opinion. But at the the end of the day, the client is uh, uh, God in Mm -hmm. that case. Okay, so back in 2005, when you got involved involved in the uh, Cedar Revolution, you had a platform called Now Lebanon mm-hmm. that I guess you were using as a kind of tool to communicate certain ideas. It's now um, not non-active, but I think it's a project that you're working on. What's the purpose of uh, of that? Well, you have to. Re- you said it yourself. I'm um, by by original blood. I'm content man. I was a cartoonist. Uh, I was a column uh, columnist before, and as we say uh, in the art uh, side of things, I sold my soul to the devil to advertising, because the other stuff was not paying the rent. Bringing out something like now Lebanon at the time and uh, and and probably in the future, is because of my itch to do uh, journalism. When do you think it'll be? I, I know that you're currently working on it. When do you I'm think trying. Uh, I'm the minute I find investors or crazy people And like what's me. the purpose of it? 
well, to propagate ideas that I don't see uh, other media doing. Yeah, which uh, ideas? Uh, what the country, what our country should be like, and what's where our interest lies, and oh, if we want to get into that, do you have time? <laughs> well, we have a couple more minutes. Well, uh, no, I, uh, I, I, I claim or pretend, if you wish, to have a certain idea about how we can fix the country and where in which direction the country should be fixed. And it's all based on, of course, it has some of my own uh, uh, opinions and ideas and values, but it's largely based on common sense and uh, uh, logic. Um, I don't know if I'm the one who wrote it, but I'm sure somebody else must have thought about it as well. But uh, one time I wrote, how come common sense is not so common? Hmm. Frankly, and I'm going to sound uh, uh, maybe uh, critical here, too critical, I think we've completely lost it in this country. There's nothing that makes... I don't see, I don't even understand uh, anybody who supports that lot who's governing them now. I don't really see a point whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I don't see a point in not them choking them to death. <laughs> I don't see uh, I don't see a point in not seeing them on the, on the street and throwing a big can of garbage at their, at their heads. Mm. I really don't see the point. I, I, I kind of see where you're hold. going here. Yeah. So I think people, is it time for another revolution in this country? Yeah, people need to come down to the street and kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. Because their asses is, are being kicked. Mm. Daily. And what in needs fact, to, what in yeah, fact their shoes ahead. are being stu- uh, stuffed up their mouth. So what needs to happen, in your opinion? Well, What's your vision? Um, I mean, there isn't a um, what needs to happen. It's the people that want to decide to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, if this government gets swept out, yay! I mean, you have a vacuum. Who, who's uh, going who's gonna to fill those uh, dirty be- shoes? Anything is better than this uh, situation. Even I'm, I'm tempted to say even uh, worse than this. You know all this... Uh, Sort of in Arabic, they call it Lugha Khashabi, a wooden language. I don't know how to translate it into English. All this blah, blah, blah about, oh, the um, social understanding between the parties and the deals between the parties are so essential to the security and well-being of the country. Why? Who's threatening? You mean if today, if tomorrow, uh, say, two presidents don't agree with each other, we're going to go to war? If that's the case, tell me who the hell is going to take me. Who's got the gun to want to take me to war? It's a stupid threat. It's a stupid uh, notion that people uh, hear every day. But then politicians repeat it like uh, parrots. No, it doesn't make sense. Tell me, if, if you say to the other politician that you're wrong and I disagree with you, does that mean war? We just go to elections, proper elections, not fake ones, and decide who's right and wrong. But no, we're sold a bunch of stupidities. And the biggest, you want you want to know what the biggest issue in this country? Yes, I Centralized I would, I would power. Centralized power and money. All your taxes, all the benefits of this country are centralized in a barely operating, not even, it's, an, it's, a, it's a jeopardizing machine called this government or the government and administration uh, and controlled by four or five people. They decide where the last penny goes. And guess what? They take half of it at least uh, in, in the process. So it's a combination of... Uh, I mean, this is a widely known... I mean, a lot of people are talking about this. It's not. It's no secret. 
Yes, but are they doing anything about right. it? Right. Are they at least voicing, uh, no, we don't want to shake the civil peace, civic mm-hmm. peace. Who's going to shake the civic peace if one speaks his mind or opposes something or votes against something? So logic, common sense, zero almost. In fact, illogic. I uh, read uh, only recently a quote by Churchill. Somebody just sent it to me on, on WhatsApp that a, the best, uh, the best uh, argument against democracy is five minutes discussion with a voter. Wait, the best argument, argument against democracy uh, is a five minutes discussion with a voter. Okay. Because in absolute terms, uh, masses do not know about the intricacies of subjects like Brexit. Right. Even philosophers in, in the UK said, I'm not equipped to vote whether Brexit or not. Yeah. So, no, there, are, there, are, there, there should be a filter to uh, the average v- voter who is not supposed to know all the givens. Mm-hmm. Somebody should guide that. Yes. Ideally, his deputy, his mm-hmm. uh, elected uh, representative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what? The elected representative is only a puppet at a, a, a higher uh, person. And most likely, the higher person is a puppet of a higher power, mm-hmm. and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Now, why people don't act? Maybe it's a mood. Mm. But I don't give up on the on the country. It has shown that historically, uh, it might lay, lo- lay low for a while, but then when time comes, it uh, gets up and... So are you optimistic? I'm the eternal optimist, anyhow. Okay, well, we'll leave it at that. Thank you. It was nice having you. Likewise, thank you very much. Hey, thanks so much for listening. Please like and subscribe to our show. We'd love to hear from our audience. Uh, you can find us on hakawati.com. That's hakawati with an I. Download our app. Send us your questions, your feedback. We'd love to hear from you. Later, Gators. <laughs>